So my name's Melissa, like Pastor Jeff said, and I don't know if we're friends. He thinks we are, but once he's out the door, oops, this is awkward. There he is. <laughs> no, I love him. He's great. We've known each other for a few years and just have a lot of the same heartbeat. So I jumped at the chance to um, come and speak here. I don't typically take a Sunday time uh, during the summer because I'm just really busy. I do camps all summer long, speak at them. Just finished my 38th camp in seven years uh, last week. So we live in Red Oak, Iowa, which is just down the road a little bit, off 80. You guys have the interstate. We don't. Uh, we just have a lot of drugs so <laughs> and corn and soybeans. So actually, it wasn't all that different than when we came here. So lots of corn outside the American window. Uh, Luis and I got married four months ago, so we're newlyweds, honeymooners, adorable. It's precious. Um, It's also a miracle because I thought I would never get married, and God is very gracious. And so far, we like it, right, honey? Yeah, good. (laughs) We do, we do. So we had our, we celebrated our four-month anniversary at the American, and uh, it was very romantic for us. But we're really glad to be here. That was sarcasm. I'm sorry. Third service, and I'm losing my mind a little, so sorry. Um, But we really are honored to be here, Um, and I want to talk to you a little bit about family, which is really one of my heartbeats, and uh, love family, and love what God does through family. The word is renovation, uh, and what I want to make a note about that is it's not demolition. So a lot of times, renovation is taking what's there and just kind of like fixing it a little, right, or making it better. It's not demolition of the family. It's not, hey, we need to break this down and start all over. This is, hey, let's just, let's tweak things a little, well, why do we need to do that? How many of you have seen a shift in family in the last 10 years? Yeah, right? Okay, everybody. Big shifting in family, and also a shift within our church. So I did um, research about four years ago because I was really concerned with how many millennials were leaving the church. Millennial generations, that young adult, into their early 30 generation. And it just broke my heart. Why are they leaving And I'm a millennial, so I thought, well, what's wrong with us? Well, I did the research, and I wrote a book. It's actually going to be, my cute husband's going to sell it out in the the donut area. Um, And he'll take payment in donuts, because he likes the donuts, right? (laughs) So you can grab one there. But I looked at the research, and I realized that a lot of what they had to say was really valid. And they said things like, you know what? I left because I didn't feel like I belonged. And that really bugs me. Because I'm like, but of course you belong, right? There's no other place that you belong than here. But perception is reality, which annoys me. But it is the truth, isn't it? I'm finding that out more and more as I'm married, newly married. I'm like, what do you mean you perceive that? It's not true. Sorry you felt that way. Get different feelings. Like, I don't know what to do for you. We're going through counseling, so we're going to make it, but... But perception is reality, isn't it? And so what they're... He just sits there. And, you're doing great, babe. Um, perception's reality. And what they're saying is, I didn't feel like I belonged. Sorry, I'm losing my microphone a little bit. Okay, so I have to tell you, in the other room, towards the end of my sermon, a balloon fell from the ceiling. And congrats, graduate, whoever that was. We're very happy for you. And it just started floating... Like, as I'm speaking, people are just, like, nobody grabs it and puts it under their chair. They're just hitting it across. It's like one of those giant beach ball things. I'm like, what is going on in this church right now? So it's great. I loved it. So, but what they say is I didn't feel like I belonged, which means their perception is they didn't belong, which I'm sorry to say, and I don't want to step on too many toes, but that's on us, church. That's on us. 
If they go, I didn't feel like I belonged, we didn't help them understand they belonged. So that's what I mean, renovate family. And with the idea of family, I want you to look at two things here. Family is home and it's church. Sometimes we think family is just, oh, that's what happens with mom and dad and the kids, or grandma and grandpa and the kids, or whoever. But actually, it's the church as well. And when I say church, I don't mean this building. You catch what I'm saying? I mean the body of Christ. I mean us as the body of believers. We are called to be a part of the church, but also family. So I can come from Red Oak, Iowa to Newton, Iowa, and hey, we're family. Like, I'm, I belong here, right? I belong because you know Christ and I know Christ, and we're a body of believers. So this is two things. And when we think of renovating the family, we have to look at both of them. We cannot just look at the home. Our homes are a mess. Now, that is the reality. But what we need to do a lot more, church, is not just look at the home and judge and go, oh, I can't believe they're doing that. We need to look at that and go, how can we push into that? How can we come alongside them? Do you understand what I'm saying? My niece is seven. When she was two, she started talking and She's, she's a mini version of me, which means she'll either love Jesus really loud or she'll be in prison. There is no in-between with our personalities. We're really praying for Jesus. So she actually, when she was four, she called me and she goes, Auntie Mo, I decided that I'm not ready to ask Jesus into my heart because I'm not ready for him to have control of my life. I was like, that is the most honest thing you have ever said, child. She made the decision uh, a couple years ago now, and she's with Jesus, but the Holy Spirit's a whole other issue of control. We're working on that. But she, when she was two, from the time she was little, she loves to have her family together. And so she'll grab as many people as she can, that's family, and she wraps her arms around their neck. And it doesn't matter if it's Auntie Mo or if it's Sierra, the youth intern at church or something. She grabs everyone, puts her arm around the neck, and she yells, because she's very verbal, she yells, we are family, we are family, and then she waits for us to cheer, she's one of those, like, either cheer or get out of my way, and so, yes, we're family, but to me, is that not the clear picture of what we as a church body should be? Hey, we're family. She's never looked at me and disqualified me. She's never said, oh, Auntie Mo, you're too messy to be family. She's told me to fix my hair multiple times, but she's never said, you can't be family, or said, well, you didn't brush your teeth. You smell bad. You can't be family. She goes, hey, we're family. She loves Uncle Lulu. They all call him Uncle Lulu. God bless him. And so he, th- we're all family. That's what we need to be. Church and home. Hey, we're, we're family. We're in this together. And if we really want to see a shift in this next generation raising up to where they don't walk away from Jesus, it's going to take all of us linking arms saying we are on this together. And I really believe, you guys, and I'm not one of these far-fetched ideas. I really believe we can change the trajectory if we do that. I really believe that. And that's my heart. That's my heart for that. I want to take you to Scripture, Deuteronomy 6. A lot of times we look at Deuteronomy 6 and we look at it for parents. And it's saying, hey, you need to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind. And hey, you need to, as you walk along the road, you need to teach these decrees to your children. And as you lay down and as they go in the car, it doesn't say car because that's not biblical, but it was, you know, their mode of transportation at the time. As you're on the camel, walking down the road, tell about God. But here's what's interesting. So often we think that this means uh, parents, but actually the audience in verse 4 says, Hear, O Israel. It actually doesn't say hear, O parents. 
which means those of you sitting in this room that were kind of passive observers, if you know Jesus, I just gave you a job. Because this is a call to the community of faith to pass on faith to the next generation. This means nobody can sit in here and go, that's not my responsibility. I'm done with kids. I raised seven of my own. I'm still tired. You can't do that. Now, I will say this. Sometimes when I speak about this, people are like, I'm going to volunteer for the children's ministry. I hate kids, but I'm going to do it. Please don't. <laughs> like, you know, like really, we need the bat. We need, if that is your passion, do it. If you feel God's tugging on your heart, do it. If you're not called to that, it's okay. But you may need to ask God, hey God, what's my part? What are you asking me to do? How do I pass on faith to the next generation? And there are simple things. It's amazing what a smile can do. It'd be amazing if you could drop your eyes out in that coffee area instead of seeing the adults look down and see the kids. Smile at them. Give them a high five. Let them know that you see them. That makes a difference. But what this says is, hey, we all pass on faith to the next generation. We do this together. Psalm 78 is the next place we'll go. And I know I'm going really fast, but that is the way this church service is going today. Actually, I think for the last four weeks you've been doing that, right? What a fun thing. 78 is all about passing on faith to the next generation, but it's talking about stories. And I'm a storyteller, which is why it's hard for me to have such a limited time to speak because I have all these stories to tell you. I'll tell you a couple, but not as many as I want to. So, but it's all about story, and it's saying, verse 4, we will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about his power and his mighty wonders. And it says in verse 6, so the next generation might know them, even the children not yet born, that they in turn will teach their own children. So each generation should set its hope anew on God, not forgetting his glorious miracles and obeying his commands. What it's saying here is that we need to tell the next generation what God has done. Has God done something in your life this week? Just nod. You're all breathing, so you should all be nodding, okay? Yeah, oh, good, you got, I like that. So God has done something in your life. This is what we need to tell people. Sometimes God works in our life and we forget to tell anyone. And the other thing I would tell you is if God is at work in your life and you love Jesus, sometimes you need to let your face in on the excitement. Do you know what I mean? If you love Jesus, tell your face. I'm, I'm going to be blunt. It's very hard. I'm usually not blunt. But um, I meet some of the most depressing Christians who I'm like, you are sad. <laughs> like, how do you need be, meet people? How are you doing today? Oh, I'm just getting by every day. It's a battle. <laughs> okay, well, you, you, if Jesus, you win the battle. That's good news. Put a pep in your step. I met one guy who goes, oh, I'm open for glory. <laughs> I'm like, you're depressing you're exhausting those are the ones i'm like okay i'm going over here to someone who has a smile on their face but kids are watching you all the time whether you work with kids talk to kids no kids they watch you they come in this church they see you out in the community and they're making these connections all the time because that's how god made their brain and they're going wait a minute if that's if that's what loving jesus is i'm not sure that that's what i want because nobody sees double standards more than a kid God made them very judgment-oriented. Some of you, how many of you are raising a kid right now? You know what I'm saying, right? Very fair-minded. And nobody sniffs out a double standard or double life more than a kid. So if you love Jesus, let your face in on it. But this is saying, hey, we have to pass on faith. When is the last time you told somebody what God has done in your life? When's the last time you told a kid? 
I had a kid in Red Oak come up to me a few years ago, and she said, Miss Mel, I'm pretty sure that my dad doesn't know Jesus. Well, he was an elder in our church. So I'm like, hmm, I happen to know that he does. Of course, I was like, maybe he's not. Maybe I should tell my dad. Um, I said, well, what makes you think that? And she said, well, he's never told me his story. She actually said that. He's never told me his story. I thought, well, that's a miss, isn't it? Your kids don't get to know Jesus through osmosis, guys. <laughs> they don't just kind of fall into it. We have to disciple them. We have to tell what God has done. And kids today will argue with everything. Can I get a witness on that? Okay, everything. They, and teenagers, they're even worse because they'll just argue because that's what they do. God made them that way. But they'll argue with everything. What they won't argue with and they cannot is they won't argue with your own personal story of faith. They can't because it's your own story. You need to be telling your stories more where you've seen God at work. Sit around the dinner table and talk where you've seen God at work. Talk about what God's been doing. Parents, you are the number one spiritual influencer in your life or in your kids' lives whether that scares you or not. Adults who are watching parents that you don't think are doing a good job, they are the number one spiritual influencer in their kid's life. That is what's happening, good or bad. I'm going to show you this quick video. If you could have dinner with anyone, living or dead, who would you choose? Kylie Minogue. Oh. <laughs> Marilyn Monroe. Oh, God, I wouldn't have a clue. I oh, know, straight up. Paul Hogan. Kim Kardashian. No, no, no. I'd like to have dinner with Justin Bieber. <laughs> what? He's not coming to my house. So, um... <laughs> I'd have Bob Hawke. Dave Hughes. Barry Humphreys. Jimi Hendrix. People who have made a difference in the world, maybe Nelson Mandela at the dinner table. I don't know what he's going to say. I'm scared. If you could have dinner with anyone in the world, oh. who would you choose? Probably our whole family, like a whole extended family. Mum and Dad. Mum and Dad. Does it have to be a celebrity? Could it be family? We love it. We talk about how school is. We ask Mum and Dad how their day was. Family. Yeah, Mum and Dad. Family! Who would you like to, like to have yeah. a dinner with? They just want to be with us mm. while they're eating food, which is pretty cool. They see us above everything. I'm going to get... Yeah. Yeah. Bit, bit of a message in it for me. Yeah. <laughs> what are we having for dinner? How many of you are crying just a little bit right now? My husband's seen it three times this morning, and he's crying again. So isn't that beautiful, though? Obviously, it's an ad for Master Foods. I don't know, they're in Australia or something. But I love the message there. Kids just want presents. And I don't mean gifts. They want your presents. They want that more than anything. That's what they're asking for. And there's a myth that we've kind of spread that says, well, if you're going to be around kids, you need to be relevant. But actually, kids don't need your relevance. They need you just to be real and be present. That's what matters to them. So those of you in the room that think maybe you're too old to be with kids, wrong. You matter, and your authenticity matters way more than even the message that you're giving, just being real. Church, you have a role in passing on faith. 
as a community of faith, we have a role. There are kids who have no families. There are kids who have families but are not present. Do you know kids like that? Do you know families like that? You have a role. I have three stories. I'm not going to tell all three of them, but let's go down to the very last one. William, Wesley, and Joey, we met at camp a couple weeks ago. Wesley and William are twins, and they're 10, and Joey's six. And they grew up as missionary kids. They, they speak German, so I was speaking German with them, which is I speak very little. And we're talking, and, and I knew their story, but I was going to see if they would trust me. And, and then they began to tell me they grew up as missionary kids. They came back to the United States in February, and Dad started to get really angry. And so Mom moved out, and then Dad killed their mom. And so they're at camp. Their mom is gone, and Dad's in prison. And they were wrecked. I mean, wrecked. And they're telling the story, and kids don't ever tell stories in a neat packaged way. It usually rips your guts out a little. So I cried myself to sleep that night because it just wrecks me. But here's the beautiful thing in the midst of it all. William, Wesley, and Joey, they were there with their church community, and their church family was there, and they were coming alongside these boys and saying, we are here for you. We see you, and we've got your back. Now, they said, they asked me, they're like, Ms. Mel, will we ever stop crying? And I'm like, I hope you don't for a little while. Get it out. And it's going to hit you at different times, but it's okay to cry. And Joey's six, and if you think of Joey, you can pray for him. He's completely shut off emotionally. And they said in front of him, Joey's so lucky he doesn't cry. And then they got the word of the Lord from Miss Mel about saying that in front of their brother. I said, don't you say that but they're hurting. But the beautiful thing is I didn't have them leave camp and go, I don't know where they're going. They left camp and I knew that they had a church community around them, the body of Christ. You matter, church community. Each of you matter. And these kids are not abnormal, okay? These are kids that could be right here, Newton, right here at Community Heights. These are missionary kids. You matter in the lives of these kids. Healthy families look a few certain ways, and we're gonna, I'm going to breeze through this. Healthy families allow for questions. Healthy families are a place, first of all, where everyone belongs, where William, Wesley, and Joey belong. And then healthy families allow for questions, which means if you don't have it all together and you have questions about God, you, you're still family. It's okay. And we do no service to the dark, dying world around us when we act like Christianity means we have it all together all the time and everything is joyful and happy and perfect. Because that's not true, is it? In this world, you will have trouble. God never says it's amazing all the time. He goes, you're going to have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. But it's a spot where you can come and go, I have questions. And I always say, I would rather have people who have deep questions about God come and ask those questions within the community of believers than outside, right? But we got to let them know that they're welcome here. Kids ask questions like this. They're so honest. They're the best version of us. This one says, God, are you real? Or are you, you? They can't spell and that's okay. But do you not love the honesty of that? I love when they ask God that question because it gives me no, I don't have any responsibility. I'm like, okay, Lord, take care of that. I'll be over here. God proves himself. I don't prove God. God, are you real? This one says, God, I want to know way more about what you did to everything. Like how you learn to obey God every time and listen. 
Can you imagine? That's like a seven-year-old boy wrote that. I do not understand. This one says, God, what is the purpose of my life? Some of these are the same questions we could write as adults. This one says, God, you are good, but why did you make my life so hard? I will do what you want me to do. Just tell me. Kids are the best version of us. And what they do is they come and they kind of they go against our defenses and they don't do anything right. They're not neat and they're just, uh, but they come and they're the most honest. And that's what we need. We need more, we need to be more like kids in our approach. Come in and be messy. I love that there was a balloon floating in the other room. I was like, this is a good church. Churches that are Stepford scare me. Like when everything is perfect and everyone's put together, I don't understand. I don't understand it. I want to come into a church and know that, hey, even if I was a recovering meth addict, I would be welcome here. I want to know that I'm welcome to ask questions about God. Healthy families aren't perfect, but we're honest. We're honest. And honesty matters a lot more than our perfection. Some of the best things I've done with kids is if I'm having a really bad day, and camp is hard, you guys. Like, there are big bugs that should not be alive. Um... Then you're sleeping on these plastic-covered mattresses, and you know something bad happened that they had to cover that with plastic. <laughs> and it's just, it's just not my like yeah, it's just not my nice hotel room or my bed at home. And so it's hard sometimes. But sometimes I'll get up and I'll just tell the kids, you know what? I'm having kind of a hard day. I've kind of been discouraged today, and it's just hard. But I want you to know that I'm glad to be here, and I believe that God wants to use me today but it's a little hard. Would anyone be willing to pray for me? And you know what? Probably 50 kids usually are like, I'll pray for you. It's the coolest thing. And then they go, she's approachable. She's not perfect. Sometimes they're like, she's a mess, but I like her. And I love that. I love that. They don't need us to have it all together. I tell them when I drop my phone in the toilet on the way to church, I think that's hysterical. It's not. It's very messy but they desire for us to be honest. What happens then is they, they know that they can approach God honestly. This one says, my dad is away and I miss him. I hope he is okay. So they go, I can talk to God about things that are hard. The next one says, I will love you even when I am mad at you. I trust you with everything I have. I can trust that you will take care of it. Smiley face, just in case I made God mad because I said I might be mad at him. But I love when kids tell God they're mad. God's not like, oh, I had no idea. They're like, I'm a little mad at God right now. And I love that. Be honest with God. That's what we do when we're family together. We go, we don't have it all together all the time. It's okay. This next one says, God, thank you for helping my family when we were broke and when I got adopted. Isn't that great? These are all notes from just the last four weeks. These are, I have stacks. I'm a hoarder of these notes from kids. Healthy families pursue Jesus together. And pursue means that we go after it. doesn't mean that we've attained it. Philippians, right? I press on towards the goal. Not that I actually reach it, because we don't reach it till we get to heaven, but we keep pursuing Jesus, even when it's hard, even when it's confusing, even when it's easy. We keep pursuing Jesus together. And I will tell you this, you guys, if you get a kid on fire who loves Jesus, they can change a whole family far better than a dad or a mom who gets on fire for Jesus. It's just a fact. Sometimes we think, well, we got to get the dad, we got to get the mom. I'm telling you, you get the kids and you can watch the whole family change. And I have story after story after story. I got one girl who's a missionary in China right now. And her parents started coming to church when she was in seventh grade because she was asking questions about God. 
Her parents started coming. Her parents found Jesus. Now they go on medical missions trips. She's in China. Like, that's what God does because he pursues us and he calls to us. And then you have kids that say this, God, just please help you guide me to know you more and read the Bible more often. They go before God with honest hearts. They want to pursue Jesus. And this one says, God, I have made the decision to follow you and start a relationship with you. Please help me love others and be kind. I will pray and worship you. Please help me make the right decisions in my life. Isn't that beautiful? Don't you kind of want to have that be your prayer? (laughs) Renovation of families is not big demolition, okay? It's little tweaks here and there. Where we go, family's important. Hey, we're family together. So be praying. How can you come alongside that parent that could use some extra love? How do you come alongside what God's doing in the children's ministry here in the church? I don't know what that looks like. But I do know that it is going to take all of us linking arms to say, we will not lose another generation. We won't. And I believe, I believe we won't if we do this well. If we point them straight to Jesus. Don't point them to you, because that's heresy. <laughs> point them to Jesus. I'm real careful. I don't want disciples made out of me. Because I fail all the time, man. But I want them to follow Jesus. When I leave a camp, I hope they forget my name, but never forget Jesus. You know what I mean? So that's who they need to be with. Bow your heads. Thank <clears throat>